around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. It's yet another crossover podcast. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I've got my radio voice going this morning. And the reason I do is because I'm sick. I come home from vacation, and what do I do? I get the sniffles. Hey, David. Man, I hope it's not the COVID, Ben. Have you have you checked the COVID yet? No, and Emily keeps saying, hey, you got the sniffles, the scratchy throat, but I, I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. $19 for two home tests at Kroger. I'm good. I, I think we're kind of but, to the point now where whenever somebody brings it up, it's just like, oh, okay, and you move on. Yeah, it's pretty much that way. It's that way for me, yeah, to be honest with you. And look, you're on your deathbed, so if you're like that, then uh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with COVID. Man, today is June 1st. Can you believe and that? What, well, I know it's crazy, but what a busy summer in front of us. I mean, you know, just think about it. Starting Friday night, over the next week and a half, there are going to be over 1,000 prospects come to Oxford and camp at Ole Miss. Ben, that, that workload for, for guys like you, guys like me, um, it's going to be tremendous. Yeah, I'm excited about it, though. It's more fun too. covering recruiting now because of the NCAA transfer portal and the way the schedule is, and now really parsing through a 1,000 or more prospects to come up with the true targets for a class that will be, what, 10 to 13, 10 to 15 high school signees? <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, when you like think it. about it like that, yeah. look, most of those kids we watch, we analyze, we interview over the next couple of weeks have not a chance in hell of ending up with a scholarship to play football at Ole Miss. Now, you're going to have kids from the 26th class all the way through the 23s out there. It's way too early for so, 2026. Yeah, it's way too early, and they'll roll a bunch of offers out to the younger kids because – you got a couple of years for those things to kind of, kind of wiggle their way through the cracks to the finish line, uh, but you know what are you looking at realistically? Out of those thousand kids, and we're just using thousand as a as a nice fat round number. What maybe forty five, fifty? Maybe have a chance to come play here out of four classes, maybe. Maybe might be generous so, too. Yeah, yeah, for real. So anyway, but that's the biggest thing we're looking at in the month of June is recruiting. Of course, the Ole Miss baseball team still playing. Going yeah, down are. to rainy, windy Coral Gables for the weekend to try to get a regional in. And, uh, you know, the weather forecast looks horrible. It looks absolutely horrible. Miami earned the right to host this thing, though. So the NCAA – they're going to send the teams down there and do their best to get this thing in. Ole Miss actually left at 7.30 Wednesday morning en route to Coral Gables. So, uh, you know, it's on. But I can tell you, if you're planning on buying a case of beer, sitting on the couch and watching this regional play out over the weekend, be ready for some disruption and interruption because uh, the rain is real and uh, it's going to affect – the South Florida area tremendously. And, um, you know, so here we go. We're, we're, we're still going to be playing this regional on Monday, yeah. maybe even Tuesday. 
I was going to say, it's going to stretch to Tuesday or Wednesday. The NCAA will get it in. It just might be a week. Yeah, they'll get it in for sure. I think it has to be completed by Tuesday. Does it? Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think you're I right. I think Tuesday's the last day. So, um, you know, we've seen rainy regionals before, right? Last year here in Oxford. They got it in. A lot so, of starts and stops, know, but they'll get it in. Yeah, and this will be a this will be the the stutter regional. I mean, you'll start, you'll stop, you'll start again, you'll stop again. Um, you know, but but I got a feeling just looking at that weather forecast, they may get game one in, which I think starts at noon Central Time. Miami and Canisius. Still don't know who. But that I is. got a feeling Ole Miss Arizona may not even play till Sunday. That, that that's just a gut feeling. I'm so Saturday's the really bad Saturday. day forecasted. Saturday, I look Saturday is eighty percent chance for heavy rain, heavy wind all day. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then look, I'm not real familiar with how the Miami Park plays, but you know, you get that wind going in the wrong direction or the right direction, could be home run city out there this weekend. So we'll we'll have to see. We'll we'll see what it holds. But I'm intrigued, uh, nevertheless. So are you calling Friday an night? Ole Miss Coral Gables regional win? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm saying they have a fighting chance, um, you know, and it would be the most Ole Miss thing ever to uh, advance from it. Yes. Go to the Super Regionals against either Southern Miss or LSU. And lose. The, Rebel, the Rebels would be on the road at either place, by the way. Yeah. And uh, no, and win and go to Omaha. No, <laughs> no, no, that, no, no, no. It'd be like when Ole Miss was in the, uh, no, the NIT in basketball. And um, it was like every other year, and Ole Miss fans are disappointed because they didn't make it to this NCAA tournament. Because Ole Miss fans are loyal, they got excited because Ole Miss was making a great NIT run. So once they finally got on board and like, you know what, I'm going to lean into it. Forget everything else surrounding the program. Go beat Georgia Tech and go to New York for the Final Four. Win the whole thing, and Ole Miss loses at home to a jam-packed, in front of a jam-packed pavilion. Same kind of deal. Ole Miss would win the Coral Gables Regional, then go to Southern Miss or LSU. Ole Miss fans, get on board. Forget everything else. Let's rally behind the guys, and then they lose. Lose game three on a walk-off. Yeah, that's the Ole Miss way. That's the we are Ole Miss ever so, An ever so close, reviewable play at the plate. <laughs> it's something ridiculous. That's probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Graham's going to fire a strike in. And um, Dunhurst is going to apply the tag, but it's a nanosecond too late. Or, or Ole Miss scores. They're, they happen to be the home team in the uh, deciding game because that's how it works in these regionals and supers. And they get a game-winning walk-off at home, but then upon review, it shows that Kevin Graham or Peyton Chatney or whoever didn't touch home plate and was tagged. <laughs> I got I got one better for you than that. Right. So it's Southern Miss that would beat the Rebels in game three of yeah. the Super Regional, go on and win the College World Series, and for the second year in a row, a Mississippi school other than Ole Miss wins a national title. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> How be. cruel. How cruel would that be? Ah, it would track with Ole Miss athletics well, throughout history. I'll say this much. I'll say this much right now. The baseball gods are, are shining down on Mike Bianco for the Rebels to even be in this thing. I think everybody knows that. And uh, 
you know, you got to make the best of it. And, and, and hopefully Bianco and his team can make the best of it. And if they don't, that's on them, not on you, the fan. And, um, you know, that's the way I think they have to approach it. I mean, you know, is this life or death for Mike Bianco a weekend down in sunny Florida? I don't know, but it could be, it may still be. So what a great way to go out in Miami on South beach. Or is it because, you know, you probably never would feel the same about vacationing in Florida again. That's true. But at least it's Miami. At least it's Miami. Miami is pretty hit or miss. Kind of sucks. Just like the weather for this, this, uh, that's well done. Well, Well, here's the thing, you know, we mark time on these We Are Ole Miss moments. Fourth and 25, Laquan's gruesome injury when he's going in for a go-ahead touchdown. Steven Head striking out against Texas, and Texas going undefeated the rest of the way, winning the College World Series. I mean, there's so many We Are Ole Miss moments that mark time. If this team, here's the question, if this team could go against script completely and not only get out of Coral Gables but avoid a we are old Miss marking time moment against Southern Miss or LSU, whatever. Maybe this is the team that goes from three seed to Omaha. 2014, that was not expected to be the team that got Mike Bianco to Omaha. And yet they were. If this is the team that does that, it changes everything. I was talking to people at the T-ball field last <laughs> night. And they're like, well, if he gets to Omaha, it's like, well, yeah, if he gets to Omaha, it's all good. It's fine. He keeps going. He keeps yeah. going. Let this be the well, team. Why not? It, the, you know, hope springs eternal as June 1 rolls around here on our crossover podcast. Ben Garrett, David Johnson, the postseason is around the corner. Why not today of all days as we turn the book? Summer is here. This will be the Ole Miss team that goes against script, goes against we are Ole Miss, and comes out of Coral Gables a three seed and wins the whole dang thing. Why not? Brand new season. Everybody's 0 and 0. That's right. And 22, right. 14 and 16. First round SEC tourney loss to Vandy. Talk all that's it. gone. It's all gone. Everybody's 0 and 0. Sure. And, and you know, I, I think Ole Miss could, I'm not going to say they are, they could be the most dangerous three seed in the entire tournament. Oh, good grief. <laughs> no, no. They, they, they've got everything you need to win this thing. But will they? Will no, they? no, no. Will they? Let's so not gas them up. Let's not gas up the Ole Miss fans. Well, again. I'm not gassing anybody up, but I'm, not doing it. I'm just saying when, when the Rebels game one rolls around Sunday night about 9 o'clock, uh, <laughs> you just, just, just be ready to pull them on. All right, if you were and a betting man, David Johnson, well. if you were a betting man and you had to put your life savings on Ole Miss baseball getting out of Coral Gables – as the winner of that regional, or Ole Miss landing Jaden Rashada, where would you put your life savings? Well, I wouldn't make that bet head up. I'll tell you that. But I'd give Ole Miss a chance of getting out of Coral Gables right around 30 33%. Oh, that's like a 46-yard field goal or something. That's good odds. Yeah, it's very doable. Very doable. So what is Rashada? And what about Rashada? Then what is Rashada 
if uh, Ole Miss baseball oh. is a 33% of getting out of Coral Gables, a 46-yard field goal, Jaden Rashad is 50, what then? 50-50. As a matter of fact, I think his brother Roman is in town right now Yeah. Um, for his visit, his official visit. So, yeah, I, I'd say 50-50. I mean, look, if I told you I knew what Jaden Rashada was going to do, I, I'd be lying to you. But, you know, reading the tea leaves and everything – I like where Ole Miss sets, but three letters here, NIL, that uh, is going to play a part in this. And it's just like your head coach, Lane Kiffin, said on Tuesday down in Destin. Look, man, if you don't think NIL matters, you're lying. You're not being honest. It all absolutely matters. It's one of the biggest factors that matter. Because here's what the recruits know that maybe the average fan doesn't identify with wherever you play your ball, they're going to work your ass to the bone period. You're, you're, you're in a work count for the next four years. That's just how it is. I mean, if you're going to be successful, you're going to work your butt off. But I Houston mean, Nunn said that it was the best time of your life, guys. It's the best yeah, time of your life. Yeah. Well, it, it might be when you're 40 and you, you don't have to do it anymore, <laughs> That's it. but you know, I mean, these kids know that. So if you're going to be miserable, go to the go to the person that's giving you the most money to be miserable. That's so cynical, David. We're we're having Hope know, Springs Eternal know, on June first. I know man, what goes on. Man. You do. Look, these kids get off after a bowl game for a couple of weeks. Then they're back there. In the weight room, and look, weights are a, a qualified necessity every day. You have to be there. Spring practice. Then at the end of spring practice, they get like a couple of weeks off, three weeks off maybe. And then on Memorial Day, you're back on campus to start summertime workouts. So there is really no break. You get a couple of weeks off at the end of July. Then you're back there for fall camp, and this repeat Rinse, wash, recycle, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, and it's that way for the duration of your college career, period. Yeah, they've and, broken and, you know, for I'm, summer right now, and yet all these players, they got their playbooks and their plans and stuff. Do they really do that, though, on their time off? It'd be hard. for It's like when yeah. you get sent homework over Christmas vacation in school. You wait no, till like – It's a full-time job. Okay. So they're it's actually doing – It's a full-time doing, job. They've been treated okay. – they, Yeah, they've been treated like professionals forever and ever. Now they're finally able to, to, to be compensated, uh, you know, for their work. But, no, you have to do it. You show up in your position room and you're lost as a goose, uh, you might as well have dropped three or four straight passes on the practice field. That coach is done with your ass until, until you show better. And um, they all know that. It's a highly competitive environment. That's why 100%. I like that, like, Lane Kiffin – just like he he got out in front of the NCAA transfer portal to begin with and started taking kids, saw this kind of coming. While Jimbo and Nick Saban, the, the SEC meetings, like you said, they're happening in Destin right now. While all of the attention is being paid to that quote-unquote beef between Jimbo and Nick Saban <laughs> and how Nick yeah. you know, is just bemoaning what is now college football and name, image, and likeness, Lane's going, yeah. It's professional sports, and the best players get paid the most. And all everybody says is, hey, well, if, if Matt Corral gets paid, you know, buku amounts of money, 
What about, you know, number three, like uh, long snapper? Is he going to get paid? Is he going to be compensated? And Lane Kiffin's out there saying for everyone to hear, I don't, it doesn't matter if the best player gets paid the most he should. It's capitalism. He isn't going to be, it's crazy to think with everything Lane Kiffin has done in his career, where he's been and where he is now, the growth and all that kind of stuff. And Nick Saban, same thing, the greatest college football coach of all time. The one that's going to be on the right side of history with where the game is going um, next is Lane Kiffin. He's been right in yeah. front of this the whole time. You can resist no, change no. all you want. You can push against it. You can say, no, I hate this. I don't like it. This is what it is. It is not. You cannot put this toothpaste back in the tube. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. No, and the guys who are who are who have embraced it and are doing it right now will be the guys that'll be coaching in ten years. Correct. These other guys are going to be put out to the pasture. Now, you brought up Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. The biggest story to come out of Destin on Tuesday was the fact that at the conference table, Jimbo Fisher was not allowed to sit with any other coaches. Every other coach was sitting next to another SEC coach, except Jimbo Fisher who was sat next to David Cutcliffe and I think Herb Benson on the other side. And, um, <laughs> he was put by so David Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe is like, he's like the uh, school counselor, you know, he's the nicest yeah. guy ever. Exactly. They didn't want anything from Jimbo yesterday. Problem you know child. What? Look, I don't like <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. Okay. I respect Nick Saban, but I will say this. Kudos to Jimbo for standing up to Saban. And he did. And, uh, you know, Saban, look, I respect the hell out of Nick Saban. I think he's a great coach. He's maybe the greatest ever. And, but, but, but he's, he, he, he operates like a bully. And for him to come out and single, single out Texas A&M, I mean, he was, he was taking a shot at Jimbo and Jimbo had every right to come back out even though he said some words, he probably doesn't know how to spell. Um, and, and basically, basically shove it back on Nick Saban. And I, I respected that. You want so my hot take, in- David? You want my true hot take about all this? My yeah, true hot take. Scorching hot take. All right. This is great for the game of football. We are stripping yeah, like away. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So here comes Jimbo off the top rope yes. doing a suplex on uh, – on Saban, I don't even know what the hell a suplex is, but I've heard it before. Hey, yeah, but that's good. You sounded like you were smart. But the whole thing, like you did, yeah, just saying words yeah. that you don't know, but it sounds good. 
But here's the thing. Because we've now stripped away this whole idea that um, college football is sacred. It's, you know, it's God's game. It's the people's game. It's a, a more pure game than professional football, than professional sports. And it was the only true college sport that everybody really pays attention to that still was, cause it, it's just, there's something more special. It's like we were all rallying to the same cause. Ole Miss, you put on your colors and the fans and the players, there's this connection. Now all of that has been stripped away completely. And it's being treated for what it is. It is a business, and it's also really fun, stupid entertainment. While there are some that would love to watch the Kardashians on whatever channel they're on. I'm not interested in that, but there's a reason why Kim Kardashian, with no discernible talent, has become a billionaire, right? And there are people that care about that. There are a lot of people out there that are not like you, the Ole Miss fan, that that will watch a football game. Me and Emily were in Florida... And we were at this bar, and on the on the screen, she went, I didn't know football was in season right now. It was a spring game of North Carolina State. It yeah. was the red versus white team. I was like, oh, no, it's a spring game. She went, what's a spring game? And once you start to talk through it, because, of course, we're all plugged in. This is what we do. But when you start to talk through it, it sounds absurd, just as absurd as the Kardashians. Just as absurd. So now that we actually treat it like entertainment, and these millionaires are supposed to not be guardians of the game, but entertainers. Give me beef all day. Jimbo and uh, Nick Saban going at it. Lane just sniping in the corner over there, just like doing his little po- poking and prodding to keep it going. That's great. Yeah, well, well, well. wait, get back to the seating chart. Lane's next door neighbor at the conference table was, of course, Mike Leach. It's like they're stepbrothers. It's like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and stepbrothers. They love each other. It's great. It is. It's kind of funny. But, uh, you know, yeah, we've all got to just take a moment, suspend belief, and visualize the meeting at the SEC office. Greg Sankey's there where somebody says we can't put Jimbo next to another coach. That's amazing. We just can't do it. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like you're doing your wedding seating chart, you know, and you're like, I can't put uncle Frank by aunt, yeah. uncle Frank by aunt Tess. Cause God yeah. knows uncle yeah. Frank Aunt Tess is a hardcore militant Christian. And well, golly, unc, he's, he'll say anything. Right. Frank, Frank's going to get his buzz on and hit on aunt Tess. <laughs> yeah. And hit on aunt Tess. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, so Jimbo secluded, Surrounded by SEC officials and the league's other 13 coaches are all sitting next to one another. He got put at the kiddies table. Or uh, what was that table in, in The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler? Table like 11 or 14 where they put all the freaks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like table 14. The dude with the, you know, with the uni or something, the unibrow or whatever. Yeah, we're going to put them all the car- the circus folk together and then uh, put the yeah. rest of Yeah. So, Jimbo, you got put at the circus table with David Cutcliffe, sweet old David Cutcliffe. In his retirement yeah, it's, it's phase. It's kind of like Larry, Larry David, if you ever watched the Larry yeah. David show. And uh, he realizes that this one particular restaurant is setting him with the ugly people every time he goes in. <laughs> and, and he looks around. And there's an ugly half of the restaurant and a beautiful half of the restaurant. Yeah. And Larry's pissed because uh, every time he goes in there, they put him with the uglies. Oh, so anyway, so but yeah, there, there needs to be more written about Jimbo's seating arrangement. It really does. uh, Now I want to do like a whole analysis column. I didn't even know this. I should be paying better attention. This is why you're better at this than me. That that is too funny to me. That is too funny. Well, so yeah, so someone someone there drew up a diagram of the seating chart and put it on Twitter yesterday, and uh, 
I thought it was hilarious, man. See, that's great because that's that's more fun and stupid and dumb and something that we all kind of uh, have some fun with and can talk about because this isn't that serious rather than, you know, Greg Sankey comes out about they need to have a playoff format in place by 2025, the deadline. They need to – or uh, Lane came out and said – in regards to how they'll set up the divisions, maybe the teams and stuff like that. And all that stuff matters, and it's important as far as, like, what the game is going to be and how everything's going to be structured. But, golly, they've been dragging their feet on all this stuff for so long. That minutiae is nonsense is no fun. Give me the beef. Give me the seating chart. This is way more fun. Yeah, I'm with you. That was the best thing to come out of Destin on Tuesday. Jane Rashada. Gun to your head, life savings on the line. Jaden Rashada or Ole Miss getting out of Coral Gables? Just pick one. Uh, You want me to pick mine? I'm going with Rashada. Okay. I'm going with Rashada. Me too. Yeah, pick yours. Rashada. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the weird thing thing about Rashada is you know who the finalists are because they released them, but the visits, the way he's lining them up, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's still in it if they want to be because it's about NIL with them. It's really like that's at the forefront for him, right? That's the bottom line. That's yeah. at the forefront for everybody, right? period, okay? I mean, you know, okay, let, let's just say, you know, my dad played here at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is where I want to go. Ole Miss knows that. So when they're they're telling me about an NIL package, maybe it's $50,000. And then all of a sudden Arkansas is like, we got a hundred. I mean, where am I going? You go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And um, that sounds like a T-shirt. We know, should write I, that down. I, the merch and the merchandise for the podcast that we're doing now that we haven't named. Uh, like say that, that again. Say that again. What was the thing? Go where you're what? Go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. Quote from Rebels two four seven. David Johnson. But my point is, if Arkansas is just going to lay a hundred big ones on me, you go to Arkansas. Shit, I'm going to Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, I mean, tomorrow's not promised to me. If I can get a hundred thousand dollars out of playing football, that's more than zero, and it's fifty thousand more than fifty. And if you flame you know? out, if you flame out like most most kids do, it doesn't matter if you're a four or five star. Only one percent of football players get to the NFL. So if you flame there out, you if the if you're a part of the normal odds and you only play your career and you move on, you can still come back and be an Ole Miss fan, and now you've made a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and we're not talking about these free agent camp invitees and stuff like that. You know, I think the number climbs to maybe three percent. Get a cup of coffee in yeah. terms of getting to go to camp or stuff like that, but only one percent ever make a living. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, it's just not I mean, a guarantee. If you if I'd have told you way back when, you and I've been doing this a long time. If I'd have told you way back when that neither Nick Brazel or Tony Connor was, was going to have neither one of them was going to have a long NFL career, you would have said no way, no chance. Yeah, I would have. When they were both coming out of high school, yeah, I would have, and the rest of the world would have said that as well. Yeah, they'd have said they're they're going to they're both like you're telling me neither one of them got to the NFL, neither one of them stuck. No way. Right? There's yeah, just no yeah. way. Well, That's... you don't have to go beyond beyond this year's class. I mean, look, Ben Brown, and you know how I am with Ben. Yeah. Ben Ben's like a son to me. I love Ben. Going to his wedding. Um, you know, 
if you'd have told me Ben wouldn't have been drafted, I, I was still holding out hope fifth, sixth, seventh round this year that somebody was going to take Ben. Now he says, you know, with the Cincinnati Bengals as a free agent, you know, camp invitee. So what are his chances of making the club? They're very slim after not getting drafted. Jerry on Ely, because not being no... pro in either baseball or football or getting drafted as a oh, pro, man. getting drafted. Because he is a pro. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, no way. No way. I know. That That's that's just wild. Go back in your and Rolodex because you, know, you, you remember stuff better than I do. Go back to your Rolodex. Who was the biggest surprise you've ever covered that didn't? Like when he arrived on campus at Ole Miss, you went, no matter what sport, you went that guy right there. Slam dunk pro, and he didn't make it. Who surprised you the most? Mm. Mm. It's a good question. You know, I mean, there are guys that made it that didn't last very long. I don't know if you're counting those guys, but, uh, you know, the biggest disappointment in, in terms of an overall career for me, and I hate to say it because I love the guy, was Robert Kimdichie. I mean, Robert, you know, good gosh, should have been, should have been an all pro. I mean, and, you know, he just didn't handle his business the way he probably needed to handle it. That was a huge disappointment for me. Um, I thought he was numb to consume. He was really good, but he wasn't numb to consume. That's exactly, exactly right, man. I mean, Ndamukong Sue dominated the college game at Nebraska and he went to the NFL and he dominated the NFL and Robert Kimdichie was a carbon copy of Ndamukong Sue. And now and Sue, I think he's only missed two games in 10 years or something like that oh, in the league. Oh, the, the guy's a stud, man. Yeah. He's a he's 100% a stud. And, yeah. um, you know, so to, to me, Robert Kimdichie was a disappointment. Um, now, as far as a guy who didn't make it at all, you know – and this is going to sound funny because nobody ever thought this guy was was Superman anyway. But I thought Vince Sanders had NFL talent and ability at one point of his college career. Now he got saddled with some injuries and stuff like that. But um, you know, he, he for some reason he crawls into my mind. What about Z Mason? That was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. All right. Okay, I left. Before we get out of here. What are you most paying attention to then this week? If you expect Ole Miss to put up a fight, but probably not get out of Coral Gables, is it a recruiting storyline or is Ole Miss baseball what everybody needs to be tuned into? Is that the biggest, most important Ole Miss story this week? Well, I'll make a prediction. Since Ole Miss baseball is not going to play this week, they're going to play game one on Sunday. Oh, okay. Uh, It's recruiting. I think it's recruiting. And you're going to be out there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely so. Friday night lights, and uh, we'll pick off every, everybody we can possibly pick off amidst all the construction and whatnot going on out there. Uh, Lord knows they may be helicoptering them in, and they uh, rappel down through the roof of the Manning Center. We'll just have to see. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to be out there full force on Friday night, full force on Saturday for the O-line, D-line camp. Now I think we got a couple days off, and they come back on Tuesday. And then again on Friday night. So uh, really all the Ole Miss stuff is going to go down the pipe in, in basically a span of a week, eight days. And then Lane Kiffin so, will be uh, back on a boat in Florida. Good for him. That's exactly Good right. for him. That's, exact, that's right, man. Lane's got a cell phone and a pen. He can make shit happen from uh, – Anywhere. From, uh, it's 
I mean, it's the it's the dream. It's the dream. Excuse my language. I didn't mean to say that. Man, I'm the one that always says the bad words, and now I've become like I've rubbed off negatively on on you, David. Now you're the one saying the bad words. Yeah. Well, I need you to help me resolve Uh, something though before we before we stop. Yeah. All right. Here we go. It's I guess another round of is been or was been a jerk. Okay. So last night, and and the reason I asked this is because David, I would do this to David off the air. We're just going to do it here on the podcast. Um, so last night, my daughter is playing in a t-ball game. I'm an assistant coach. I usually coach on my girls' teams, but I just wanted to take a step back. It hasn't been a step back. I've just become the assistant. So last night, I, I'm pretty competitive. I'm really competitive. And I used to be really bad about, you know, kind of uh, getting competitive in these games that don't matter their t-ball. I've done a good job of reining that in, but last night we're playing a team whose coach is a good friend of mine. I've been friends since high school. Love the guy to death. But he started to, like, argue some things with the umpire, like rule stuff about, oh, well, the ball trickled out of the circle. Wait a second. She didn't tag her with the ball, even though it was last batter. Don't count the run. All this kind of stuff. Okay, is this guy? What level does he coach on? I'm not going to ask you. Where, oh no, no, he he doesn't coach like out. He's a doctor. He's okay, just coaching gotcha. the t-ball, the opposing t-ball team, and so he starts to do a little arguing calls and stuff. Well, then the competitor in me comes out and starts to kind of give it back a little bit. It was started out in in jest and fun, and then then we go to extra innings and it becomes really competitive, right? And so uh-huh. I'm coaching third base. It's T-ball, five-year-old T-ball, and I'm getting my girl. We're down one run. We need a tying run to keep the game alive. So I told her to get a lead off of third base. They stopped the game and made her go back to third because all the parents, uh, the, the coach of the other team, these are people that I've loved and been friends with forever, and they're so upset with me. Hey, bitch, she can't get a lead. I'm like, hey, I didn't, you know, I played it. Dumb. Oh, I didn't know, you know. So, David... It's T-ball. I shouldn't be a jerk. Was I a jerk or was I responding, you know, appropriately to this guy trying to get competitive? Well, you know, you're asking a guy this question who's been uh, just about every form of a jerk he could ever be while coaching his kids. So, <laughs> so no. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I promise you. So, you know, we'll get that out in the air first, but – was okay. been a jerk. Did you did you know the runner could not get a lead? Yes. But you still had her get a lead. A big one, <laughs> a really big one. I said, "Hey, she, y'all aren't holding her on." Because if you and I said this, and to, I'm not gonna say, I almost said the uh, coach's name. The coaches, the opposing coach, started to argue stuff. Who's a friend of mine? Been a friend of mine for life. Uh, he started arguing rules and stuff. So he started it. So I went, "Hey." Um, if we're playing baseball rules, y'all got to hold her own. Like, I, you know, we're, oh, we're making up rules now? And, if that, of course, they were like, Ben, you know she can't get a lead. But, I mean, David, she was halfway down the third baseline. So, was Ben a jerk? <laughs> Be honest, was I a jerk? Yeah. I don't feel like I was yeah, a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you essentially broke rules <laughs> I did, in but... order to try to win a game. And, 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 look, I'll leave you with this. Okay. And you know this. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. Doctors know everything. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, him out there trying to run a run a T ball game should not be any surprise to anyone. 
because. But if the goal isn't for the kids to learn and have fun, then if the goal is to win, well, by God, I'm going to win. Well, I didn't create the situation. It was Riley. It was Riley, the five-year-old. Okay. So, so Riley now knows her dad is capable of cheating. (laughs) I am a jerk. Last night. I am a jerk. (laughs) I I wouldn't be that hard on yourself. Look, I'm telling you, uh, I'm a great guy to come to with this because I have been the worst good little league kids coach in the history of the world. <laughs> look, I was coaching. Uh, I, look, I wasn't even coach. Eli wasn't even born. But okay, so when I was a sports editor at the Bolivar Commercial in Cleveland, I also was the public relations specialist for the City of Cleveland Park Commission which meant they paid me extra money to go up there and get all the scorebooks and write up the part report and put them in the paper. And then I'd have to go around and take the champion team pitchers and all that stuff. Oh, I miss but being anyway, a local it, newspaper, man. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They paid me year-round. It was good extra money, so all that was good. So anyway, they didn't have a football coach one year. Well, who do they call? Their public relations specialist to coach. So I coached their tackle football team for them. We win the league, which makes me the all-star game coach. So What I'm a glow-up for you, David. Holy cow. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, a storybook. Anyway, so, uh, and we were favored to win it that year. I mean, it was a west side and an east side in Cleveland. We were the west side. and uh, we This were, sounds like we west side, side story, you know? Well, doing the- well, anyway, the east side always dominated the game, okay? They had the better athletes, bottom line. But that year, for some reason, the feeling in town was we were going to win it. So we played the all-star game at the end of the year, played it at Delta State. And uh, at halftime, we're losing 30 to nothing. Oh, my God. So, okay. uh, so I, I, I'm fired up, man. I get in there and, you know, I pro- I'm probably 25 years old at the time. Oh, I'm my God. Guy. And you're a hothead now. Oh, oh yeah. well, yeah, I'm not as much as I used to be. But, uh, no. but I know. But anyway, I took one of these big, nice wood frame chalkboards, you know, standalone thing with kind of the hinges on it so you can flip it and all that. And I broke it. Oh, boy. It's like a back then, like a $350, $400 chalkboard. David! I broke it in half. I broke it in half in front of some 11 and 12 year old football players. In an all star <laughs> game? In an all-star Not game. Not like a state so, championship uh, game. No, it was just an all-star game. City all-star game. So, uh, anyway, uh, it's third quarter rolling around. We've cut the score to like 30 to 14. So, whatever I said was working a little bit. Next thing I know, I get these Delta State, uh, for lack of a better word, officials. They're coming over there to me on the sideline while I'm coaching the game. <clears throat> hey, man, you're going to pay for that chalkboard. Do you understand me? You're going to pay for that chalkboard. During the so game? During the game. During the game. And uh, anyway, you know, that's just kind of so – Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Fine. What was the final score? Like you've had me this whole time. It was like maybe 42-20, something like that. Oh, my I mean, it God. It's like the Friday Night Lights horrible. movie when they lose at the end. No, we didn't lose at the end. We lost at the very first. I, I know, but, you know, <laughs> it was this great, unbelievable story about a coach – who was, you know, it was honestly, you were pulled out of the stands to coach and you became a rising yeah. star in the profession and you got a little too big yeah. for your britches and you broke I a blackboard that. across your knee and, and all I was wrong that. with the world and y'all lost the game. But I thought 
that still was going to end with triumphant celebration of you and your players, yeah, right. them hoisting you on your show on, on their shoulders. No, it did work that way. And at the end of the game, it was almost like all the parents on my team had heard about it and they were angry at me. <laughs> How much chalkboard calls? How much chalkboard calls? Nobody walked up and was like, hey, appreciate you coaching my kid. Oh, good game, coach. <laughs> it was all like, Johnny, get your shit and let's go. <laughs> it was it was, it was, was a tough pill to swallow, man. So, really was. so the final verdict actually been, you weren't a jerk. You just responded um, rationally to a threat. You want to know what a jerk is? The guy who pay, had to pay for a $500 blackboard in an all-star well, game in Cleveland. Fun, so there you go. There you go. I did not lose my job as the public relations coordinator for the park commission, though. Uh, that continued on. Did they, but, they uh, did they make you take a leave of absence? Because that's what they do now. No, so you got to that. No. These days, they make you take like three days to to say you're in reflection. I'm well, reflecting on things. The PR guy for the park commission and the sports editor for the newspaper. I had to leave the field, go to my office, and write the game story. <laughs> How about that? Oh my god. <laughs> Please tell me like you quote. It'd be way cooler if you quoted yourself, like part of your speech in your story. That'd have been amazing. Oh, how have you never told me that before? That is incredible. True story. We've never really talked about our little coaching experiences. God. Well, thank God that it was been another edition of was been a jerk. Finally brought that story out. Look, one year. And this, I was coaching Eli. <laughs> we won the baseball. We won the baseball league, so I got to coach the Dixie Youth All Star team. And we were playing regionals down in Greenville. And um, I'm going to tell you, it's the worst umpiring I've ever seen in my world. We were screwed. okay, sure, 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 sure. Oh no, 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 we were totally screwed. We made it out of that tournament, by the way. But uh, there were three Cleveland teams playing in it. And uh, us and, and another team made it out. One did not. And all three of the coaches got together talking about our experience down there with the umpires. And we decided, you know what? We're going to write a letter to the editor and send it to the Greenville newspaper, the Delta Democrat Times. And we did. Just like, you know, hey, it was very obvious. The umpiring was was was, was very slanted towards the home team. Um, and, I mean, it was. It was absolutely terrible. And um, anyway, it did not go over well with uh, with the Greenville folks. And the funny thing is, one of one of my really good friends, Ross Riley, and Ross used to be the executive ed- editor of the Mississippi Business Journal down in Jackson. Well, Ross got the letter, so he calls me. He was the uh, the, the the editor in chief of the Delta Democrat at the time, and he's like, uh, "Dave, you sure you want me to put this in the paper?" I'm like, yeah, yeah. All three of us signed it. We want it in there. So he ran it, and oh my God, you would have thought I I, I had burnt downtown Greenville down with the calls I got, threatening to kill me, threatening to uh, to shoot my son. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, it was horrible. And then we all had to go to the state tournament along with the Greenville team that the umpires had cheated for. And we're all down there, and we have to play them in the state tournament in Carthage, Mississippi. I smashed that chalkboard. I didn't break it. I mean, like, it was in four or five pieces. Oh, man. And, uh, I, I, I am nothing then. You're, I didn't know I was doing a podcast with Bob Knight. Jeez. Bob Knight on steroids. Yeah, it was bad. I could write a book on it, to be honest with you. 
BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Ah, it's springtime in Oxford again. Who doesn't love springtime in Oxford? Flowers bloom and the squares popping. Ole Miss baseball, a little Ole Miss spring football. It's honestly one of the best times of the year, so why not enjoy it? See all the beauty that Oxford has to offer in a brand new car, truck, or Jeep. Well, if you're in the market, the only place to go, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates them from every other dealership in Oxford, Mississippi, as Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, this is the only place to go. And when you go, ask for Brian or Mason. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. And take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides by contacting them at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000-2201 East University Avenue in Oxford, Mississippi. Alan Samuels, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. If we're all agreeing that we're having a good time, the girls are good, we're going to teach them T-ball. It's not really about the final score. When it turns into, no, we're trying to beat you. Something just flips yeah. inside you a little bit. Yeah, well, I tried to beat everybody. Yeah. And, uh, but look, I did coach Tori Kate's soccer team this year. Love that. Without Soccer's it, my favorite. There was no issue, no issue at all, because I'm going to tell you, I brought a lawn chair and I parked my wife on my sidelines every game, and I said, let me know if I'm starting to get out of line. And she did, and I never really got out of line. And um, I was well, good proud for of you that. because my wife is the polar opposite of me. She's sweet and quiet, and everybody loves her. And well, uh, that's my wife. But she, but the thing about Emily is, like, she'll come to the games, and I'll say that stuff too. But yet, I've become such a bad influence on her that she now gets mad at the things I get mad at. She's like, "Uh, well, you need to move so and so because she's letting the ball get by her." Or, "Hey, wait a second. Uh, they said they they said that run counted. No, that I mean, she's getting mad at this stuff now too." She used to not care at all. My wife got hardened to all that early because, you know, and you don't have boys you're coaching. But you got to realize Eli was a – he was a head and a half taller than everybody forever. Okay? I mean, the boy quit growing as a ninth grader. He just didn't grow anymore in in ninth grade. Everybody thought he was going to be an offensive tackle. I bet he was awesome at eighth grade basketball. You know what? By eighth grade, he had – become solely focused on football, I got you. but he was an awesome soccer player. And, and, and what I'm saying is all these other kids, his age, their, their chest, their, their heads would be like middle of Eli's chest. Okay. So much taller he was than they were. So everywhere we went to play, there was always somebody in the stands whispering, not knowing who my wife was. That kid's got to be four years older than this level. Check his birth certificate, check his birth, you know, all, all that kind of crap. And uh, another funny story. I know we got to go. So I'm no wait, did, did, wait, wait, wait. Did you or your wife never say anything? I would have lost it. There was one instance where I said something to somebody. I lost and, it. Uh, that, that's awful. 
I did. I lost it on a guy one time, but, but, I, and, and here's, here's the last story I'm going to tell. So we're, we're uh, playing five, six, seven, eight year old soccer, five through eight year old. Uh-huh. And when Eli was eight, I mean, you know, he's again, you know, he's 15 inches taller than any other eight year old. <laughs> And, and, and I mean, incredibly strong. I mean, at one point he was the strongest guy on the Ole Miss football team. He's, he's been so, 16 going on 44 factory worker for about like 10 years now. Oh, look, look, but he, he FaceTimes us Friday, shaved the whole beard off his face. He looks no. like he's 16 again. Yeah. No beard, no, no anything. I was like, what did you do that for? Well, I was trying to trim it up and I went too deep on one side. And <laughs> Just mistakes. I didn't have a story. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's got a bald face right now. But, but anyway, so on the throw-ins in soccer, Eli could throw at the length of the eight-year-old soccer field. Oh, okay, yeah. So I had him do all of them. And you know, we're playing this team, and this old hot-headed guy coaching on the other side, he started screaming at me, "Hey, Eli, throw it in now! Hey, David, why don't you let somebody else throw it in?" And um, so anyway, the game's over, and. Uh, <laughs> And me and this guy's had a few words. It was a competitive game. We won. Um, and he's walking off and he's mouthing something. And and I'm just like, and Eli's on the other side of the field. I scream out, Eli, go get him, go get him. And this guy stops and he crouches down. And he's looking, trying to find Eli in the crowd. Like my eight year old was charging him. Oh my and, uh, God. It was, it was so dead gum funny. But, oh uh, my you know, God. Fortunately, my assistant coach on that team was a guy named Kelvin Williams, who is now the sheriff of Bolivar County. And Kelvin was always real good about, hey, Dave, you need to calm down a little bit now. Just calm you, are down. St- you are Stan Marsh. Not Stan Marsh. Stan's a little kid, but like his dad. Yeah, it's his dad. Yeah, I'm Check blanking. Yeah. yeah, and dude, he gets in a fight with Bat Dad, and like he just goes to the Little League games to get into fights. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, you. Yeah. You're like, oh, I thought this is America. Thought this is America. Yeah. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Well, right. next time, ask me, ask me about our overtime tie in soccer. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on. Uh, you, you want to talk about a league director who thinks he knows it all? I'll tell you about this guy. Oh, yeah. what a cliffhanger yeah, to end this one on. Look, good Lord. He's David Johnson at Rebels 247, writes for Inside the Rebels, an affiliate of 247 Woo-hoo. Sports. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. I write for the Old Miss Spirit affiliate. Of all in three, if you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. And this podcast is brought to you in part by Thomas Chandler, who specializes in retirement and investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Thomas will help you out with pretty much anything from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. Call him today at 662 296 Zero one eight six. That's six six two two nine six zero one eight six. It's Thomas Chandler, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It was fun, man. Hey, hey, I got one other thing to tell you about that really ticks me off. So my daughter is in a after or a, kind of an extra school program that started this morning, and uh, so Ash and I got up at six thirty and and got her ready and took her to this thing. And you know what happened, um, what, now eight days ago in Uvalde, Texas. Um, so, you know, I've got my eyes on, and I'm like, I want to see what this place is doing, you know, to protect our kids. 
So we pull in the parking lot, and at the front entrance of the school, I see a police car, and I see the officer on the front steps talking to some people. And it looked like they were just morning chit-chatting. But the drop-off is behind the school. So we go behind the school where all of these kids are, are getting out of their cars, and there are teachers there to greet them and make sure they go in the right hallway. Wide open doors everywhere, not a cop anywhere around, and it ticked me off beyond belief that, you know, right now, I'm just going to say this, in this area, we're in the mindset of it can't happen here, and that is teetotal bullcrap. It can happen here, and you know, what if it happens here? So I call the police station and they let me speak to the shift commander. And I'm very nice, very polite. Just tell him what I saw. Wide open doors everywhere. Kids just walking around. No police presence except on the other side of the school. Well, we had an officer there. I said, yeah, I saw him. I saw him. He was on the other side of the school where kids are not being dropped off, where the doors are not open talking to two people well sir you know it's summertime and um you know there's going to be a lot of maintenance work going on there so they're they're going to be open doors i said and i, I said officer blank i said how will that excuse play if it happens here and it was silence for a moment and he goes it wouldn't i said that's my point exactly and he's like, well, we're going to check into it. We're going to talk to the school district and all that. But the bottom line is, did Uvalde, Texas, not teach us anything at all? Anything. I know school is getting out and summertime starting and all that stuff. You know, but my eight-year-old is up there right now. And anybody, I, I could have walked in this morning. Anybody could have walked in unless some 50-year-old teacher is going to tackle me. Man, he was in a mood today. All right, buddy, I'll see you. <laughs> All right, see you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.